There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Night Ranger brings its 40th anniversary tour to Capital One Hall in Tyson's, Virginia tomorrow night. I spoke to bassist and vocalist Jack Blades about his Night Ranger hits like Sister Christian and his damn Yankees hits like High Enough. Hey, Jack Blades. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP in D.C. Well, it's glad I'm glad to be here. We're excited about coming to your neck of the woods. Yeah, of course. Uh, Night Ranger, your famous band, is going to be coming to Capital One Hall in Tyson's, Virginia, on Friday, July seventh. Now, I know you all are, are billing this as like the 40th anniversary tour. I guess because that first album was in '82, so I guess we're well, '83. Yeah, yeah, okay, 40 years, 40, a little over 40. You're continuing it. Uh, are we going to hear um mostly that album, or are you going to sprinkle in some greatest hits? Any new stuff? What What do we got? Oh no, man! We play. We, you know, we're going to be playing everything, everything under the sun. We're going to play all the stuff that, the some of the old stuff, some new stuff. Some we'll play some damn Yankees songs. We'll kick out some stuff that, you know, we, you know, the good thing about Night Ranger is every show's different. We play whatever we want to play. I mean, we get in the mood. We, you know, we'll we'll do a song. We'll play a song that we've like grown up listening to. You know what I mean? It's like it's like crazy, and the audience sings along. Everybody has a great time. Night Ranger shows are always like interactive shows, man. Everybody's particip- everybody's singing, everybody's having a good time. Oh, it's going to be great. Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, you you stole my next question. I was going to ask if you were going to do any damn Yankee stuff, but uh, all right. So that's good. Fans of, of that band can can come check it out too. Um, all right, awesome. Well, whenever I have someone like yourself famous on, I love to sort of hear your journey. Like I know you were born in Cal in Cali in like '54. What did you listen to growing up? You know what what bit the what bit? How'd you get bit by the bug? Oh, I mean, I I, I grew up listening to all kinds of music. I started playing guitar. My parents gave me like a you know, a $1 plastic ukulele when I was eight years old. And the first thing I got, you know, when, when I, I heard the Beatles, you know, when I was like 10, I think it was in 64 or something like that. And it was just, it was just, I love that. I love my dad. My dad's comment is like, Oh, in six months, you'll never hear about these guys. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Well that, that worked out differently for him. But anyway, I mean the Beatles, Beatles, of course, harmonies influenced us, you know? Um, and then I, as, as I got older, I started playing, um, um, because no one else could go out and buy a bass amp or a bass guitar. I ended up when I was in junior high school, um, I think I was 13, you know, my parents bought me the bass guitar because there was, you know, I was playing guitar then, rhythm guitar, and there was like 150,000 rhythm guitar players, but nobody played bass. So it's like, yeah, okay, fine, I'll play bass. So I've been the bass player for forever and ever and ever. However, you know, music has, you know, like influenced me in so many different ways. I mean, I was listening to like heavily influenced in the in the late 60s and early 70s to British metal, you know, like Zeppelin and Cream and, 
you know, and, and, um, and, you know, those kind of bands and deep purple and things like that. And then in the mid seventies, I got totally into funk music and started playing, just listening to like Sly and the Family Stone and Tower of Power and, you know, and all this kind of stuff and just great stuff. And that's when we formed the band Rubicon, which was like a, a funk rock band in 1976. And it was Brad Gillis, our guitarist from Night Ranger was in that band with me. And Kelly Kage, our drummer, was the touring drummer at the end of that band in 1979. So, I mean, so much, you know, I, I've been influenced by so many different kinds of music and it just keeps going and going and going till this very day, man. I love pop music. I love singer songwriters. I love Simon and Garfunkel. I love everything. I love Ozzy. I love, you know, just, you know, Judas Priest, you know, um, in, in Iron Maiden, just to every, every level of music. So music has just influenced me, everything. It all comes into me and then it comes out and it becomes Night Ranger. Oh, I love it. And you're naming some amazing, amazing artists of all time. And I, I thanks for sharing that story about your dad that thought the Beatles were just uh, a 15 minutes of fame. He, your dad thought they were the fad for, but you were like, no, dad, it's the fab for. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. Awesome. Well, you, you did a great job of sort of, you know, telling us sort of the early, your early bands and your early days playing and everything. But how exactly did Night Ranger form there in 79 in San Francisco? What's the, the story you You've told a million times the abridged version. How'd the guys get together? Well, I mean, like I said before, I was in this band called Rubicon and Brad Gillis was in the band. And at the very end of the band in 1979, Kelly was the touring drummer. So the three of us are together. But my my roommate at the time was Alan Fitzgerald Fitz, who was um, the bass player with Montrose and Gamma. And also he played keyboards with uh, Sammy Hagar. Mm -hmm. And he was my roommate, like I said at the time. And so he said, you know, in the beginning of 1980, he said, why don't we form a rock band? I know this guy from Sacramento, this kid in Sacramento named Jeff Watson, and I can bring him in. Why don't you bring your rhythm section, your guys, Brad and your drummer, Kelly, and 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 you, and why don't we form a rock band? So we, we kind of did that. And we were all, at that time, if you think about it, we were big Sin Lizzy fans at that time. Mm. I mean, I mean, the, the Sin Lizzy in about 80, 81, that was the, that was the, the high watermark for for Thin Lizzy and everything like that. And and <laughs> if you think about Night Ranger, there's like, you know, two lead guitars, a bass player that sings and, you know, that kind of thing. And and it's like what Thin Lizzy is, two lead guitar, two harmony guitars, bass player that sings, you know, we just had, you know, we added the keyboards and everything like that. And so, and so we just started out in 1980 and got a record deal in 1982. And, and boom, like you said, here we are 40, 41 years later and still doing it. And it's been such a joy that the audience has been with us for all these years. You know, that's, that's the whole thing. It's like a celebration of, of music, of 40 years of rock and roll, of good old kick-ass American rock and roll. When you come to a Night Ranger show, that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, let's touch on some of the some of the big hits that, you know, a, a little deeper dive on some of the big ones they might hear. So I know that first album, Dawn Patrol in 82, uh, had Don't Tell Me You Love Me. Uh, any memories of, you know, who wrote that or, or just you guys recording it in studio? Like any good tidbits on Don't Tell Me You Love Me? Yeah, Don't Tell Me, Don't Tell Me You Love Me was like um, I'd written that song and I kind of brought it in. It was almost like at the end of the sessions. You know, and 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 I had, hey, I got this idea of the song and and I, I brought it into the band and we just, you know, monkey wrenched, you know, we wrenched on it and wrenched on it. And it came out to be this like killer song. And, you know, it remind here here's what I read an article once that all the Motown songs, everything was like, you know, they'd have they, uh, you know, Barry Gordy and Motown would like say, I just want something that grabs you from the very first. Like, you know how stop. 
in the name of love, you know, and things like that, or down, 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 you know, just all these, <laughs> all these things that they'd have, like, ain't no mountain high, just everything was just, it'd grab you right off the bat. So we thought, what could we get? We're a brand new band. We need something that really kind of would draw attention. And that was the whole idea behind the, un, 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 un. when you hear that at the beginning, you hear Brad's guitar, down, 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 and all of a sudden, bam, bam, bam. And people are like, what the hell is this? You know, what is this bump, bump? It's like, whoa, here's what's coming out of the radio right now. And that was the idea behind that. And that's kind of what we, how we built around the whole, the whole thing of Don't Tell Me You Love Me. And then, of course, MTV started out. And it was right around the same time. MTV, like, you know, it, 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 this brand new thing that everybody was kind of digging and getting into and stuff like that. And at the time, I think maybe they had six or seven videos. <laughs> <laughs> and we made a video and, and gave it to them. So they started playing it like 14 times a day. And, and, <laughs> you were and in like that very was, limited rotation. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was like us and like Duran Duran's Hungry Like a Wolf, I think, or something like that. But I mean, it was like there wasn't. And so suddenly they started banging us all the time on MTV. And it was this fresh new thing. And we started going out on the road. And everywhere we hit a town, people... It was like you were a TV star or something. You know what I mean? Our first tour with Hagar was the beginning of 1983. And all of a sudden we come into towns and people go, oh, I saw you on MTV. I saw you on MTV. And we were being recognized and stuff. It was crazy, man. That's, that's kind of what kicked off the whole, the whole Night Ranger thing. Here we are 40 years later. That's awesome. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. And then we, we have to at least touch on the, sec the second album was even bigger, Midnight Madness, uh, because, you know, it had When You Close Your Eyes. But then the big, big one, obviously, Sister Christian. Tell me about um, just putting together that song, crafting it, how I love how it sort of starts off a little slow, but then it's that boom, boom, and starts builds and it builds. And we listeners can almost feel it building inside of us until motor and like tell me the idea behind that to, to kind of slowly build and ramp it up to the chorus. Well, we had actually written, um, we'd had the song um, Sister Christian, we had had that for um, the first album, but for some reason we didn't put it on the first album. I don't know if some genius decided to save it or they just didn't think it was right for the first album and everything <laughs> like that. So so it was something that we, yeah, man, I, you know, we, we had demos of that song in like 1981 and stuff like that in 1982. So, um, wow. but when we, you know, when we finally decided to put it on, um, you know, we said, okay, let's make, let's make the record, let's make it a big crescendo, the same thing to catch people's attention. You know what I mean? That whole idea of just like, dum, 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 dum. here's the build up, build up, build up, build up. And, and then the famous drum thing at the end, I love it, the, where Kelly very at the end, he goes, bum, 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 bum. I mean, how that came about is that we were trying to do it at the very end and we we're in the recording studio and he kept trying these different runs all the time. And it was like three or four in the morning and he was getting so pissed off because our producer was like, nope, that's not right. Okay, try it again. It's like, nope, that's not right. Let's try something else. Nope, that's not right. So he got so frustrated that just at the at the end of the song, we 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 just went bump and he went bump and just looked at him like almost like a big middle finger, like, you know, fuck you type thing. <laughs> and and 
everybody in the recording studio went, that's it. That's it. That's the one. That's the one. So it was just like him being pissed off and just like, I'm just going to throw this at you. And that ended up being the crucial part of that song. So, I mean, crazy stuff, you know, like that happened. I love that story. So the end drum hit came out of frustration and a, a big middle finger to them trying to get him to keep playing it different ways. That's hilarious. Exactly. exactly That's great. Yeah. That's great. I mean, it's an all timer song. One of like the biggest song. When I think of like the eighties, it's one of the first that comes to mind. But did you, did you, uh, what did you think when you saw uh, Boogie Nights? And you know that was, that was more like 97, I guess. Like, did you, did they reach out and say, Hey, we're going to put it in this movie. Or was it like one of those, like, Oh, let's go check this new Paul Thomas Anderson guy out and then you just happened to see it while you're in the theater like what was your experience seeing it in that movie it was like a major moment in the movie well that was the whole thing um um they they pitched this to us it's kind of like this independent movie that this dude um this dude Paul Thomas Anderson who was hadn't you know hadn't didn't have the rep yet you know he was a brand new guy that got kind of edgy film guy and everything like that and you know it had all these people in it with uh you know Wahlberg and and freaking what's his name uh um oh, Philip um, Seymour Hoffman and yo yeah every I mean it was killer I mean he had amazing people in it and so we said well it sounds kind of cool it's kind of like off the grid and it's going to be kind of like a underground occult favorite and all that kind of stuff we said yeah. yeah okay let's let them you know go for it you can use the song no problem and stuff like that and then we didn't really I mean they kind of told us about it and everything like that but then when we were <laughs> when we went to see the song and Kelly and my wife and I are sitting in the audience and we're, I mean, we're sitting in the movie theater and we're watching the moment in that, in that house in LA where the, you know, that crazy drug, drug dude is like, the you know, firecrackers are going off in the background and, and they're getting ready to, and everybody's like hired in a kite and all jacked out of their minds and all tweaked out and everything like that. And, and all this craziness was going on. And all of a sudden we're looking at it and Kelly and I looked over at each other and we started sweating and we leaned over and we go, I think we've been in that guy's house in the eighties. I mean, it was so funny. A little too familiar. I mean, that, that was way too familiar, man. We started sweating and everything like that. We went, whoa, that this is way too realistic, you know? Oh, but anyway, that was a, that was a great, great way to, to do that. And I mean, here we are like this year and, and um, the movie air with Matt Damon and, and Ben Affleck, they put uh, uh, sister Christian in that also. So it's the song, you know, it's become, you know, a song in the collective consciousness of America. And it's just wonderful. Absolutely. Oh, well, Air is a great movie about the the Air Jordan. Everyone check that out. What's it on? Prime, I think. I can't remember. Either way, check yeah. it out. Yeah, and um, so. but yeah, I mean, Boogie Nights and Sister Christian is amazing. And uh, uh, Burt Reynolds, it was sort of like his comeback role. I mean, I know he'd, he'd done. Burt Reynolds, he, that's he, right. Yeah. You, that's the name you were searching for. Uh, it was, you know, he had done Deliverance and Smokey and the Bandit and Longest Yard and all that back in the 70s. But, you know, th by the 90s, you know, this was like a comeback. He got not his only Oscar nomination for that. But uh, rest in peace, Burt Reynolds. Um, yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks so much uh, for, for going into that. Um, I guess, I don't know, we, we obviously probably don't have time to, to go in, into all of them, but, uh, you know, Seven Wishes followed up and Big Life was after that, um, Man in Motion. Uh, but then remind our listeners, you sort of alluded to the Damn Yankees at the top, but I guess after those albums, you, you left Night Ranger briefly to form Damn Yankees with Tommy Shaw of Sticks and, I guess, of course, Ted Nugent and guys. Um, tell me about Can You Take Me High Enough? I can't sing, but uh, everyone knows that that power ballad. Uh, talk, talk me about the the Damn Yankees days and particularly High Enough. Was that was that just a, a great treat to do something different from Night Ranger for a minute? 
Yeah, yeah, high enough. High enough was a great. I mean, well, it was like a minute. It was like five years we were yeah. in. Yankees. It was a, rel- like a relative minute. A relative minute against forty yeah, years. Yeah, a relative New York minute, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. But um, yeah, it was really. Uh, um, Damn Yankees is a great band, a fun band, and that's why, like, you know, we got to play a couple Damn Yankee songs when we, you know, when we see you July seventh in Typhus, you know, at the Capital One Theater. I mean, it's going to be. You know, it's going to be wild, but, you know, but we're going to definitely play some songs. I mean, High Enough was one of the songs that Tommy Shaw and I kind of pulled that together and wrote that song. Like, literally, that whole song was finished and written and done in like less than an hour. And we were always, you know, we were kind of afraid to play it for Ted because, you know, it's a ballad. And he thought we were a couple of pussies and stuff like that. And we were just forming, damn, you know, damn Yankees and, and everything like that. But we went in and played it for him on a cassette. And, and, and he sat back and he's like got a toothpick in his mouth and he's like leaning back in the chair. And, he, and at the end of the song, he goes, yep, I know what this song needs. And we're like, oh, sh- yo, here it comes. You know, here we go. You know, he's going to like totally land back. He goes, he picks up guitar. And here's what it needs. It, it needs this. In the beginning of the chorus. All these dive bops. And Tommy and I looked at him and we go, that's exactly what it needs. And the rest is history. That was a number one record, man. That was it. That's a killer song. And. And man, we'll, we'll, well, you know, nobody's playing it right now. So we're going to, we're going to be playing it at Tyson's man, July 7th. You're going to be hearing that. You'll hear some other Yanks and who knows what you're going to hear, but we're going to, we're going to kick it all out. We're, we're, we're not holding anything back when we hit Virginia, baby. Awesome. We can't wait. And I love the teaser that you're going to play high enough. And, and who, who knows what else, folks? You got to come out. Are they going to throw in Where Are You Going Now? Are they going to, what are they going to play? You know, are they going to do uh, Silence is Broken from John Va- Claude Van Damme's movie Nowhere to Run? You know, you never know what they're going to slip in the set list, baby. Uh, but it's mostly Night Ranger, I'm sure. And uh, we're so excited uh, to see to see the show. So, Jack, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Like, it's so much fun talking with you. My pleasure. We want to see everybody July 7th, man. Come on down to Tyson's. Come on down to the Capitol Theater. Uh, You're going to have a blast. It's going to be American kick-ass rock and roll. Case closed. Capital One Hall, Tyson's, Virginia, Friday, July 7th. Night Ranger, uh, Jack Blades. Thanks so much, man. You got it, brother. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.